Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Guys, I- I'm, I'm hitting record about a minute after Edwin Diaz just uh, closed out the Mets' 13th series win in their last 23 series with five splits. I think I screwed up that stat last week, but double-checked it today. And that's what they just did. Took two or three from, from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, who, you know, their record might not show it. They're, I said it last week, too. They're within striking distance, but, you know, eight, nine games when uh, Boston and Tampa Bay are playing the way they are. It, you know, still within reach, but I think the Mets might have just put them a little further out of reach. But what a nice team. We saw the explosiveness of Toronto's offense this weekend, and the Mets really did a good job of keeping that at bay. Um, you know, Tyler McGill, we'll talk about what he did on Friday in a little bit. Uh, even on Saturday when the Mets fell behind, you know, a lot early, um, they they showed life. They cut their deficit in half. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the Blue Jays' offense did what the Blue Jays' offense is going to do. They're going to hit the ball really hard. And, um, yeah, Bo Bichette's home run on Saturday, that was extremely impressive. Anyone who follows me on Twitter or even follows the card account, uh, you know that I'm a very, very big fan of Bo Bichette. And, yeah, um, Diaz shut him down on Sunday. It looks, you know, this is what you get from Diaz. And, yeah, he might lose his mechanics once in a while. But, boy, when he's on – He's practically untouchable. I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. We've seen Jacob deGrom get touched up from time to time. Nobody's perfect. But, hey, you know, this is baseball. There's always going to be the battle to stay in that groove. And that's, you know, <laughs> if everybody could do it, we'd all be professional baseball players. So, you know, it's um, it's all about kind of finding that wave and, and riding it and Hopefully Diaz just found another wave because uh, after blowing three straight sla- three straight saves, he's looked uh, absolutely terrific since. Um, yeah, just you know resiliency. Even on Sunday, the Mets went down early, um, down three one in the sixth. Pete Alonso ties it up. Jeff McNeil puts the Mets ahead, and you know even if the bullpen's a little bit shaky today, they they can't all be gems, guys. Um, Jerry's familiar. He, he's been terrific. He had a really nice day on Sunday. Um, his velocity was actually a tick up, which was very nice to see. Trevor May, which entering Sunday, this is going back 15 appearances. Uh, entering Sunday, he had a 1.23 ERA over his last, I guess, yeah, 15 outings. Um, you know, 21 strikeouts, six walks. You know, he got into a little bit of trouble on Sunday loaded the bases and uh, let her run cross, cut the lead to 5-4. But, you know, these things happen. He was well on his way to finding his way out. And I think Rojas made the right choice to go with Loop there, and it worked out fine. But um, I'm sure May could have got the job done. He's really – he's been terrific. He, he, he really has. Um, I, I believe, you know, the, the Mets have the foundation for an extremely effective bullpen. Um the formula is is undoubted undoubtedly there. It, it's um, the 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 legs are there for this thing to to move, and uh, you know you just kind of have to hope that everyone can keep their you know. There's going to be downtimes. It happens for everybody. Uh, you got to just keep them short and and try to regain that uh 
get fall back into the fold in short order. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, you really saw just uh, so much from this offense up and down. I mean, you know, let's talk about Saturday for a second with Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker, of course, National League All Star, had an outstanding first half. He's running to some tough times of his own. Um, you know, that's going to happen. We saw Marcus Stroman right before the All-Star break. You know, he had a really tough uh, tough go of it, too. I think it was 10 earned runs over, over three appearances, and that was only 18 innings. You know, that's um, <laughs> that's um, it happens. Guys fall into funks, and they work their way out. And as we saw last weekend, uh, last week for Marcus Stroman, the, uh, to close out the series in Cincinnati, I mean, things can turn around just like that. I was a little concerned with Taiwan Walker's uh, grimacing and then the training staff coming out, but hey, if everyone says it's nothing to worry about, I, I, at this point, I, I trust them. At this point, they have no other reason to, to say they're not, I guess, unless you're out there looking for starting pitching and want to keep a little leverage on the trade market. But uh, yeah, I'm not, you know, it is what it is. I think everybody knows that the Mets are going to be buyers right now, and whatever leverage they think they have is slim to none to begin with. So if it's a ploy, it's a ploy. Personally, I don't think it is. I think Taiwan Walker is going to be just fine. Uh, I think he's going to fall back into the groove that he's been in. I think that, uh, you know, load management is certainly something that you're going to have to keep an eye on. This is someone who hasn't pitched a lot over the last few years. Uh, I think Rojas did a real nice job with limiting pitch counts early on to kind of you know, and that's even just to 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 ward off, you know, fatigue from pitching a full season after a short season. It's someone like Walker's case, who, of course, you know, he's training and he's coming into the season game ready. But, you know, when you're logging a bunch of innings after not having all those miles on your arm in so long, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a process. And I think we're kind of seeing just, you know, that process kind of unfolding. I'm not. Again, I'm not really not all too concerned with Taiwan Walker. Uh, I do hope the injury is nothing to be concerned about, as everyone's saying. But you know, time will tell. They could certainly use him <laughs> in the uh, in the rotation. Uh, Rich Hill, of course, who, who the Mets did add to the rotation for pretty much a song and a dance. Boy, they send over Tommy Hunter, who Tommy Hunter. I doubt you listen to the podcast, but man, we appreciate your service here, my man. That was a. Uh, your your first MLB knock coming around the whole the whole gamut was just extremely um, enjoyable. Your your passion for the game was was evident, and uh, really, I know from a fan's perspective, we wish you all the best moving on. Hopefully, this uh, this injury doesn't uh, hamper you for too long, and you can still get some major league innings back uh, back on the old uh, back of the baseball card there. But uh, Matthew Dyer, uh, Mets fourth round pick last year, catcher. Um, you know, you got to hope that he, he goes out in, in Tampa Bay and, and they can do for him what they've done for so many other players uh, and just get the most out of them, develop them in their own unique way and, you know, turn these guys into major league contributors. And Matt Dyer, I hope that comes to fruition for you, but tip for you, pal. But in the, uh, in the present day in 2021 in Flushing, the Mets, <laughs> I don't think anyone could have anticipated this sentence being spoken a few months ago, but the Mets needed Rich Hill, and they got who they got. And I think on Sunday we saw exactly who Rich Hill is. I mean, the guy gives you five innings at 
you know, under 60 pitches. He faces a few more batters in the sixth, gets into a little trouble. Do you let him kind of work out of it? Maybe. I, you know, you don't want to chance it. Well, he's 41 years old. We are talking about load management. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be a long run. We're going to need that extra arm. That's fine by me, at least from a fan's perspective. Uh, but, yeah, he gets through. He, I guess he ended up with three runs charged uh, on the docket. And, you know, it, it's, it is it is what it is. I, I don't think anyone expects the Mets to be done adding starting pitching with the trade deadline on Friday. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But, you know, the Mets have got um, – you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into Tyler McGill because, you know, Rich Hill, that's going to be huge. But, again, he's 41. Uh, he has been inconsistent since the league started checking for um, – or enforcing the, uh, the grip substances, which uh, I hate, I guess, pinning individual ups and downs on that. Because everyone's adjusting right now. I know I spoke about it last week, but it's the truth. And you know, ever someone has a bad night, ah, freaking sticky stuff. Like, come on, stop. Um, if it, you know, any one of these guys may have been using sticky stuff. Who knows? Everyone was using it. So it is what it is. The trick is being is you know the 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 trick is adjusting and adapting. Adapt or die. That's all there is to it. And it looks like guys are adapting and. Boy, Rich Hill had absolutely no problems today getting by after, uh, you know, a little valley over the last few weeks. And that's overwhelmingly positive, for at least for a Mets ball club who really, really needs the starting pitching right now. The Mets did get some good news on Sunday regarding a couple of their starters. Jacob deGrom uh, is finally thrown off a mound. They do hope to either get, get, get him ramped up in some fashion over the next, hopefully, I guess, week or so, uh, whether that be um, a simulated game, uh, not on a rehab assignment or actually go and, and pitch for, uh, you know, St. Lucie again or something or Brooklyn or whatever. <laughs> I know the, the, the I guess the Palm Beach Cardinals can't be too thrilled about about that. I'm sure they hear Jake's footsteps coming. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's all good things. Uh, you know, there's always going to be Downtimes. I mean, I know I said it before, but there is, and it's on so many different levels. But, you know, in this case, guys are, are falling down to injury. And we've already seen that take place once this year. Guys get hurt. They come back. Yeah, and it's all about picking up the uh, picking up the pieces until they do. And the Mets did a real good job of that earlier. Now it's on the pitching side. And, you know, guys are dropping like flies. And, you know, you have your Tyler McGills come out of nowhere and just absolutely – Dominate. Absolutely dominate. I wrote about it a little bit on Saturday morning. Yeah, it was Saturday morning after Friday's start. I have been moving away from the uh, from the post-game gamers. I don't want to get lost in the mix of everyone else's stuff. I'll, I'll pop out on the next morning. I'll find quotes that, you know, I find uh, interesting and take it from there. But really, I, I mean, Tyler McGill, he's, you know, he came into the night Five starts, very good, you know, uh, unbelievable start to his major league career. I think he came into the night with a 2.63 ERA, something like that. But, um, you know, you're going to face a Toronto lineup and you have all these weapons. And, you know, we, we talked about him this week and in, in, in detail. I mean, Marcus Simeon, 
Teoscar, and even the guys who aren't like the frontliners, you have so many good players. Oh my goodness. So, you know, McGill has a test in front of him, without a doubt. He's got a very, very uh, <laughs> a formidable foe in front of him. And, he, and what does he do? He turns in six scoreless, strikes out five, two hits, a walk, you know, getting through six on 78 pitches. This is something that um, major league pitchers in general have had a, a very hard time doing uh, across the league. This guy's coming in in his sixth start and, and – you know, showing the confidence that you don't see from veterans. And whether that's, you know, a product of coming into a, a I guess, a clubhouse that's really, it appears to be so in tune with the, just the vibe that they want and the identity that they want. Maybe that's a product of that, but boy, it looks like this kid just has really, really good command, really, really good makeup on the mound as far as just knowing what he wants to do and doing it. Boy, he, he tucks his slider where he wants it. He puts his changeup where he wants it. Gets a bunch of swings and misses on it. And, you know, it's um he's moving right along. I think I'm going to quote him here. I have that in front of me. And this was his plan against Toronto. Just attack the strike zone with all three of my pitches. I had them on their toes trying to pick out what kind of pitch to sit on and whatnot. And being able to execute all three pitches helped. And, boy, that is so absolutely true. He had... And he's had this, he's been doing this for the last, you know, for his last few starts. He has hitters guessing. Um, I talked, I think I might have said it on the last show. I hoped I, I really hope he incorporates the curveball because he, he, he's only thrown it a couple of times, but the spin direction on it mirrors his fastball pretty much identically. And uh, I think that could be a real weapon if he does want to incorporate a fourth pitch, but the slider is holding hitters to a 133 batting average against. He's right just underneath the 30% whiff rate on it, 29.8. His swing and miss rate on the changeup is 37.9%. And the fastball, he's thrown, okay, 305 four-seamers this year. He's picked up 19, it's 19.01% called strikes on him. So 19% of the fastballs he's throwing to major league hitters are getting called for strikes. Guys, either, you know, and you have to take into account that, yeah, sure, on O and O, o, guys are going to take a pitch. Okay, cool. It's much more than that. It's clearly, it's it's much more than that. And, you know, from, from Little League and school ball and travel ball on, you're taught, you know, once you start seeing secondary pitches, you're taught to, to you know, identify and crush fastballs. Major League hitters are having a tough time picking up Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill, who's had six Major League starts, they're having a tough time picking up his fastball. In my mind, that speaks volumes for his potential. Um, we'll see where that goes. Guys have been, you know, have, have come on the scene and made a big splash before. Uh, it's all about adjusting because, again, <laughs> these are Major League hitters. They're going to get a scattering report on him. They're going to take notes in their own head. Interdivision guys are going to see Tyler McGill a bunch of times. And there's going to, you know, he's going to have to adjust the same way that David Peterson had to adjust. Um, I, you know, if McGill can follow that similar trajectory and continue to get better, and yeah, sure, there's going to be a couple of slip ups. There always is. But if he can continue just getting better every time out, and I mean, Anyone who has any even 
smidge of baseball knowledge can see, he's taken leaps and bounds since he made his debut. Uh, just confidence-wise, he just looks like a different pitcher. And that's not mechanics. That's just attacking the zone, throwing strikes, putting pitches where he wants to put them, and that, that makes all the difference. It's just... It's really cool to see. Uh, Sarah Langs from MLB, who congrats to Sarah and, and the rest of the, um, the broadcasters over at MLB uh, YouTube. I guess the YouTube game last week. Uh, first all-female broadcast, which is just so cool. Uh, she put it up on Twitter that McGill, with his 2.10 ERA through his first six starts, uh, where it ranks in franchise history, it is fourth behind Dylan G, 2.09, Nolan Ryan, 1.98, and of course, you know, everyone's favorite Met in history, Terry Leach, 1.73. Um, again, there's a long road ahead because you could turn into Nolan Ryan, you could turn into Nolan G. Uh, oh, geez. You know what I'm trying to say, but Tyler McGill has his work cut out for him and a, you know, an extremely good start to build off of. That's always cool. Um, you know, you have to, I guess, wonder when and where the Mets might look to solidify their rotation. As I said, oh, did I? I don't think I talked about Carrasco. <laughs> All right, hey, we're, we're moving right along. So DeGrom hopefully moving towards a rehab assignment and a, and a quick return. Carlos Carrasco. Uh, he made a, I guess the Mets were hoping possibly to have him start on Monday or Tuesday. Um, that's not going to happen. They had him do another rehab, I guess a little tune-up outing. He only ended up throwing 38 pitches, but uh, they were 38 really good pitches. Carlos Carrasco ended up going three innings for Syracuse. He struck out six, uh, needed, again, just 38 pitches to get through three innings. 32 of those were strikes, and... Uh, you know, very much looks like he's ready to go. Uh, he went 41 pitches his last time out, and of course he, he was hit pretty hard that day. One would assume that even though he only hit 38, they, you know, everyone kind of saw all they needed to see from him. I'm sure he was very pleased with uh, with his progress, even if he starts out with the Mets with a you know a pitch count. Let's say he gets to 65, 70, maybe 75 pitches his his first time out. Hey, you know, great. If he can only give you 60, whatever. It's it's three or four innings of uh, of starting pitching that we desperate that we that the Mets desperately need right now. I I really actively try not to do that, but hey, it happens. Um, you know, there's going to be options out there, and this is outside of the the pricey options because you know that uh, Jose Barrios is going to cost a ton. I talked about it last week on Twitter, and. Luis Castillo is just – he's the type of guy that you say, okay, Cincinnati, what do you want for him? I think I put it up on Twitter. They're really stacked at shortstop. Um, at third base, you know, maybe you send a Beatty over. I don't know. Maybe even do it for Vientos and Ginn, who's having a really, really nice run. You don't know. But, uh, you know, those are the high-end options. There's going to be other guys out there. You know Pittsburgh's going to move Tyler Anderson. And, you know, he's going to – you know, he's going to get a return, but it's not going to be like the other guys. Um, <laughs> Max Scherzer's out there, which, you know, you highly doubt that Washington's going to trade him to a division rival. But, boy, what a game changer he would be. Oh, man. 
And, and no, he, he would Washington would never ever send him to the Mets. Never. I couldn't even imagine them sending him to the Braves unless it's just to knock one of us off or sending it, you know, interdivision to knock one of the other teams off. It, that's the only explanation. If they can go anywhere, they could send him to the Yankees. The Yankees will pay him whatever they want for him because they just love that type of stuff. Or maybe they don't. Maybe the Yankees say, "Oh, we're eight games out, and they lost a tough one on Sunday." Oh man. Uh, the their starting pitcher through fuck him, <laughs> where uh, you know he entered the made it into the eighth. I think he went seven no hit innings, and then Alex Vertugo um, broke that up with a uh, with a double. And you know um, the Yankees were up three nothing. They ended up losing four three. And oh man, I uh, know I'm sorry. Ended up losing five four. I don't know. I'm I wasn't watching. I was watching the Mets win. But boy, that is a. Uh, that's a killer. Mike Mayer from Metsmerized, uh, he did bring up uh, Craig Kimbrell as a potential person of interest for the Mets. Um, you know, if that's the case, you got to love that. You've had really nice development out of Edwin Diaz. We talked about that before. He's kind of coming out of that little uh, that little funk. Um, even Seth Lugo. He, he, you know, Seth Lugo certainly hasn't been the consistent Seth Lugo that we've seen in the past, but um, he's he's there when you when you need him, I guess. And I think, you know, you got to remember that he's coming back from, from surgery. There's going to be a uh, an adjustment period, game speed, and I think we've seen him kind of reach that. And, you know, maybe it might take him a batter or two for now to, to get in the groove. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't take too long that he could just, you know, come out of the bullpen and be ready. But it's been a little obvious that, yeah, he comes out and – even, you know, look at Sunday where, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, expecting to be, to get that nod in the, in the sixth. But hey, you know, this is their job and I guess you got to do what you have to do. Uh, but yeah, if Craig Kimball's out there, adding him to the mix. And Trevor May also, he's been outstanding. We talked about him a little bit. But, you know, you maybe you do have to prioritize another big, big name relief pitcher to stick in the back end of the bullpen. You know, it, there's there's going to be options. I'm not going to play the guessing game now. There's, you know, there's going to be so many reports, so much posturing. It is, we'll see, we'll see on Friday morning when we come back for next week's show how that works out. But, um, yeah, the Mets are going to have options. I still think that Chris Bryant and, and Craig Kimbrell would be the move. And I know that, you know, you don't technically have to replace J.D. Davis. He's played a decent third base since he came back. He's been hitting well enough. Again, adjustment to major league game speed is is uh, it takes a little time. We've seen that with a bunch of guys so far, uh, especially at the plate. But you know, if you have to move a JD Davis to the bench, and which JD Davis is a very very good bench option. I mean, come on, that's um if you can you know, look around the division and say, well, yeah, this is our bench. And you look at J.D. Davis and Jonathan VR and Luis Guillorme or, oh, that's when, you know, Lindor comes back. Hopefully that's before the end of the regular season. But really, just let him get healthy and, and carry the weight until then. That's all That's that's all it's about. But, yeah, bring Chris Bryan in. Make a push. It's not going to, you know, if you're taking on two expiring deals, yeah, they're big names and it's going to cost something. But, if you're willing to move Beatty, which I know a lot of people are not, 
he had a six RBI night for uh, for Double A Binghamton on Saturday. You know, he, he's a tremendous, tremendous young player. Do you mortgage that? that one facet of your future for a World Series ring this year. And that's that's rhetorical. I don't know the answer to that. There's no way to figure out the answer to that. It's 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 a decision that the front office is going to have to make. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, then you look at Bryant and say, hey, can we re-sign him? Do we re-sign him? It's, it's, it's a multi-layered decision that the Mets front office is going to have to make. And if it takes a JT Ginn and a Brett Beatty to one, win a World Series, and two, set yourself up for the next maybe three or four years with Chris Bryan at third base or left field or both, he's going to make your team better. He's going to bring your roster that much closer to a World Series contender, to being a World Series contender every year. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, Something the Mets, I'm sure, have considered and deliberated on internally, and there's going to be um, closure to that in, in the next few days. So you really, it's going to be a, an exciting week to say the least. Um, I'm going to come. We're going to go really take a very quick break. I'm going to think I'm a little bit late on that. Come back and talk about the Mets' offensive uptick in the last month or so as July closes out. We've really seen some. Really encouraging signs from the uh, from the offense as a whole, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be right back. Hang tight, and welcome back. So again, the Mets took two of three from the Blue Jays this weekend. They are now, and again, I'm recording this. It's not even five o'clock yet on Sunday, but uh, remain four games up in the uh, in the East. I guess the Phillies must have won today, and um, yeah, I mean. Th- Moving right along, I guess that's the general gist of what I'm trying to say. So, uh, even in their loss on Saturday, they picked up 14 hits. Went 5 for 11 with runners in scoring position, too, which is nothing to shake a stick at. But, you know, this is, we talked about it earlier, the kind of ups and downs uh, of a baseball season. We've seen these things shake out in the past. We we all have a pretty good idea of either how good or how bad just tremendously bad this can get. Right now, things are going fine. Um, Big picture, as I said, four-game lead. You're just about to hit August. You're in a really, really good spot. Um, It it appears that the Mets know that they have something special brewing. Um, Even when they lose games, they lose them in respectable enough fashion. Of course, there's always going to be a laugher. It's a long season. There's always going to be a, uh, oh boy, you know, let's mail this one in in the second. We're down by eight. It happens. Anyone who's played baseball knows that, oh shit, <laughs> we're not winning this one. But, you know, it. it you, you take what you can from it and keep moving forward. And Brandon Nemo spoke about it on, I guess, Saturday after the loss, just kind of talking about that they're, happy with where the offense is now as compared to where it was. And, you know, I think I have, I have the quote here. We really never wavered on the fact that we have a lot of confidence in this offense and that when guys would get going, it would click and it would click nicely. And that makes a lot of sense because the Mets lost a lot of players. And as we've said many times, you can only rely on the bench mob for so long before, you know, that turns back into a pumpkin. Um, 
And, you know, it was getting there, but the Mets still got through, and now they have their team back, and now things are absolutely taken off. Um, Pete Alonso, uh, since the – oh, I have the I have this stat here too. Since he came back on May 31st from the I.L., he's hit – oh, this is after Sunday's uh, two-run homer to put the Mets ahead. He's hit 16 home runs. That's tied for third in baseball over that span. He also, and this is since May 31st, 198 plate appearances. Over that time, hit 285, 348, 564, 146 weighted runs created plus. That's the Pete Alonso that we're all used to seeing. And now he's literally, as we said he would earlier in the year, he's putting the Mets on his back and carrying them. He might not be hitting 290. He might not be going one for three every night. Might not be going one for four every night. He might be taking an offer. He might take a one for five with a long freaking home run. It doesn't matter because he's helping the team win. This is why, um, you know, you just take so much more away from baseball than batting average or even just stats in general. You could say, oh, yeah, well, he's hitting 210, but boy, he's had a bunch of really big hits. Jonathan VR, case in point. He's, his, his stat line is nothing to write home about, but boy, he has been tremendous, invaluable. And, you know, these are the types of things that a ball club needs. Um, now that the Mets are healthy once again, you know, you're starting to see everything begin to click. Just in July alone. And, you know, you have to also take into account that now the Mets are without Francisco Lindor, but everyone else is back, you know. Missing one guy as compared to missing five, it, it makes a big difference. Um, so just in July alone, this is, of course, this is entering Sunday. 267 batting average was fourth in baseball. 351 OBP was second in baseball. 32 home runs in July, second in baseball. 4.6 wins above replacement, third in baseball. This is literally exactly what, the, what, what you've been hearing out of the the ball club all year, as far as they're getting there, they're, uh, what is Rojas says, he says, connecting at bats. And that's what they're doing. They're connecting at bats. And, and really, uh, the, the amount of talent that is here already, the amount of talent that they can possibly bring in moving forward, it, it's just, it, you know, I, I know that the, the losses are tough. The, some of these losses are very tough to stomach. Big picture, though, boy, this team is just doing incredible things. Uh, the the focus never wavers. It's it's just it's uh, it's been incredible. Brandon Nimmo also brought up a really cool point, and I, I talked about this, I guess, somewhat in depth at the Apple on Sunday morning. He said, "I got the quote. Oh, I'm good on the quotes today, <laughs> at least in the second half." Uh, he said, "When we go on the road to Cincy and Pittsburgh." you see those bigger offensive numbers. Speaking about the Mets, um, you know, acknowledging that City Field is just a, uh, a very tough hitter's park, which, you know, everyone knows that. Look what it did to David Wright's career. My gosh. I think I've said it word for word on the show before, but we're going to go ahead and say it again. How you build a brand new stadium for an at-the-time player on a Hall of Fame trajectory that's just the complete opposite of his hitting profile. Like this is the face of your franchise, David Wright. His power alley, excuse me, power alley was right center field. 
So yeah, let's make it the deepest right center field in baseball and just completely roast his head for a couple of seasons. Just, ah, ah. No, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not mad about it anymore. I promise. <laughs> so Nimmo said, you know, it, it, oh, back to the quote. Yes, you can see that their bigger offensive numbers are on, on the road. Well, that's, that's kind of right. So on the road this season, the Mets are hitting 239, 311, 404, 94 weighted runs created plus, which is just below average. At home, pretty much the same line, 231, 321, 362, 98 weighted runs created plus. Nothing really right home about there. It's, it's you know, very, very slim margins of, uh, of differences. When you look at the power numbers, that's where you kind of <laughs> see the, uh, the difference. So the Mets coming into Sunday had hit 39 home runs at City Field over 44 games. That's 28th in baseball, and uh, yeah, 20, 28th in baseball. Okay, here we go. I'm sorry, 28th in baseball, and their 67 home runs on the road were sixth most in baseball. Like, yeah, there's certainly a um, a concerning level of something to it, but the Mets are winning games at home. They're losing games on the road. So, you know, sure, there's negative park effects, but you're winning the ball games. So the Mets are now 30 and 15 at home. Um, they are 22 and 29 on the road. They're scoring just about a half run less on the road than they are at home. Again, maybe City Field's not a home run hitting park, but as we saw while this team was being constructed, you know, over the last five, seven years, this isn't really a power hitting ball club. Yeah, Michael Conforto hit some home runs. Sure, Brandon Nimmo hit some home some home runs. Pete Alonso is a slugger, but this is really not your power hitting ball club. This is a send one to the wall ball club. This is a gap hitter ball club. This is a, uh, you know. Just absolutely scorch the thing. Find grass. If you don't find grass, yeah, if you pop it in the seats, even better. But that's what this team is built. This team isn't built to necessarily hit home runs. And maybe 2019 might have skewed everybody. And, you know, Michael Conforto, when he's on, he is a power hitter. He's a 30 home run hitter. No doubt about it. J.D. Davis, I would, if he's playing every day, I would put him in that category too. But, you know, this is a, a an average team. Not not like a like an average, but this is a team that's looking for hits. They're looking for doubles. They're looking for gappers. You know, this is how the team was constructed. You know, maybe not. Don't worry so much about the home runs. The home runs are going to come. Put a good swing on it, and they're going to they're going to land. It doesn't matter where you're playing, and you know you can only control what you're going to control. As of late, as we said before, the Mets are really they're doing that. So. You know, you tip your cap to the resiliency. You tip your cap to the coaching staff for keeping these guys motivated, the veterans in the room for keeping these guys motivated, the guys who have stepped in. Oh, my goodness. I could go through the whole list, but, boy, I don't have time. Then, you know, the Mets have put – I think I saw it on Twitter. They were just two players away from reaching their franchise record for most players used in a season. And it's not even August yet. Just Unbelievable. And this team still is going into Monday with a, a very comfortable, a very comfortable, a, a, a cushion of a lead in the National League East with a very big week ahead of them. you got five games against the Braves in four days. That's Monday through Thursday. 
Um, two for one doubleheader on Monday at five, and a getaway day twelve ten start on Thursday. That's fun. Love that. Um, definitely trying to get down to the stadium this week. We'll see how that goes. And then the uh, the Reds are back in for the weekend series. That should be fun. That's a very fun team. I'm sure they're going to look a little bit different by uh, by Friday at 7 o'clock for first pitch, but we'll see how that works out. And then the Mets hit the road. They got four in Miami, three in Philly, and finally another day off on August 9th. Hey, that's Brother Phil's birthday. Hey, Brother Phil. But, uh, yeah, guys, I, I you know, I, I can't say it enough how pleased I am with where this team finds themselves with the position they keep putting themselves in and with uh, with where this season is going. So thanks for sticking around. I kind of blah, blah, blah my way through this. I have notes, but that's about it. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. I'm sure plenty to talk about regarding uh, trade deadlines and all that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll check you then. You know where to find us. Please subscribe, rate, review. I know I've been uh, I've been lacking on asking, but as they say on YouTube, smash that subscribe button or whatever. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go, Mets. See you next time. Peace. Let's go.